Hey, we're going to be this morning in 2 Timothy, if you didn't know that. If you haven't been here, we're working through Paul's words to Timothy in 2 Timothy, so you can go ahead and turn there in your Bible. Hey, a couple things before I jump in. Um, we are looking at reintroducing warehouse worship for our elementary school age kids and children's church for our preschool kids next Sunday. Okay? So, yeah, we had several parents that went, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Um, and I, I, you know, we've been off for, I guess, seven months, but uh, that's the plan. Uh, if I don't announce it next Sunday, you know the plan collapsed. But anyhow, that's the plan at this point. That at this point in the service, we will dismiss our elementary school kids to the warehouse. Sarah, is this right? Yes, next Sunday. And then um, uh, the children, uh, the preschoolers to Children's Church. So we'll slowly getting back to reintroducing some things. Hey, the other thing today is we are prep privileged to have Ethan Reyes here with us. Now, Mrs. Reyes has been here before, Mrs. Reyes. But Ethan, why don't you stand up? I'll just embarrass you. Stand up. There we go. All right. That's your brother. All right, you can be seated now. Okay, that I mean, it's been, I don't know how long it's been since you've been here, but it's nine months. So, um, but uh, anyhow, we're glad y'all are here this weekend or week or however long y'all are here. So, that's exciting. Hey, you know, there's some, um, there's some people that are genuinely funny, Brother Cody. There's just some people that, uh, if you have a sense of humor, you just know they're funny people. And if you get a funny person who's telling a funny story, it's just, it's classic. And uh, I know the person I'm about to talk to, nobody in the room other than Amy. I don't even know if Byron remembers, but... Uh, at First Baptist Post, there was a guy, he would be embarrassed if I was even saying this, but Phil Tyler, I'm just going to call his name, but kind of had a dry sense of humor, and he was our age, and um, <laughs> I can still remember uh, Phil telling this story that one day he had a little boy, I, I think was about Hannah's age, so he, but at the time of the story, he was, say, three or four years of age, and um, I think he stayed with a babysitter, and Phil got off work and uh, picked up little Drew, and they lived out several miles outside the country down a kind of a farm-to-market road outside of Post. And uh, this is hard for y'all to believe, so this would have been maybe 22 years ago. Um, the three- to four-year-old is sitting in the back seat. Now, what I mean by that, not in a car seat, just sitting in the back seat. I know we feel shameful as parents now. We didn't know any better. Most of y'all survived, though. Maybe a few concussions. You know, I know there's some damage done, but anyhow, most of y'all survived. But just picture this. Phil is just like, you know, I, he's, he's running 55, 60, 65 miles an hour going out, and a hog comes out on the highway. and You know, if you hit that hog, you in bad trouble. Well, Phil's driving. Little Drew's in the back seat. Drew can't see outside. He for sure doesn't see the hog. All he knows is daddy goes off-road at some point. 
field jerks the car. Man, he's in the bar ditch, but, you know, he's running 60. And they're like, boom, boom. You know, they're just like, you know, it's just like he's, he's on the ride trying to stay, you know, between the road and the fence. And he's just like, boom. And they're just in little, I could just picture, you know, you'd have to hear Phil telling this story. But Drew, I'm sure, is just like bouncing in the back seat, you know, just riding it, you know. And, I mean, Phil's heart's just like, you know, just pounding, just, man, just adrenaline's pumping. And he's just trying to get this thing to slow down and hoping they haven't hit anything. And finally, when they come to a stop, the little voice in the back seat says, Daddy, do it again. (laughs) And it was like, oh, my. It's like, son, you don't know how close we came to death. It's like, he, he thought it was like an amusement park ride or something. It's like, hey, Daddy, let's, let's get up on the highway and let's, let's try that again. Um, well, that relates to my sermon this morning. It's not just a funny story because um, uh, what I want to share with the, you this morning is uh, life in the barges can be pretty rough. And it's a dangerous place to be and you have to be careful you don't get off the road. You've got to stay up on the road. That's where you're supposed to be driving. And it's true in the Christian life, too. Uh, When we've been talking about 2 Timothy, we've been talking about essentials. And actually, when we come to our passage, which is 2 Timothy 2, 14 through 19, uh, the essential, interestingly enough, is focusing on the essentials. One of the essentials of life Our word is focus today, living in focus. You've got to focus on the main things. And if you get off on the shoulder, and God forbid if you got off even further off the shoulder into the bar ditch, you lost focus about really what was important and what you needed to be focused on. Uh, And so one of the essentials of, of life Life truths that matter is living in focus. Uh, Paul relates this to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, 14 through 19. And he encourages Timothy as a teacher to stay with the core teaching that Paul has passed down to Timothy. Um, Timothy you've got to stay with what I've taught you which is the core and you have to be careful with people that want to get you off on the shoulder or even God forbid off into the bar ditch it is your job Timothy to make sure that the church stays on the road Stays with the core teaching. Um, Paul's going to say in 2 Timothy 2.14, remind them of these things. I believe these things, yes, are the words that he's just spoken, but predominantly they relate back to chapter 2, verse 2, when he says, and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. The things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Kind of have to understand today 
that at this point in the church's history, um, much of the teaching was uh, by word of mouth. Although there were books that would later make it into the New Testament that were being written, the New Testament had not been collected yet. They had the Old Testament. We're going to get to that in a sermon in a couple weeks. But at this point, there was uh, verbal teaching. Paul says, the things that you have heard from me. Was Paul writing some of them down? Yes, we have 2 Timothy. But the things that you have heard from me, commit these to faithful men. And so when he comes to verse 13, 14, it's remind them of these things. The things that I taught you. What, what he was saying is, no, you have to keep going back. Because the tendency in church's life and in an individual's life is that we get off onto the shoulder and, God forbid, the bar ditch. And so he says in 14, he says, remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord not to strive about words to no profit, to the ruin of the hearers. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness, and their message will spread like cancer. Hymenaeus and Philetus are of this sort, who have strayed, translate that in the bar ditch, <laughs> who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection is already past, and they overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having this seal, the Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Paul's going to talk about some people. Got off on the shoulder. <laughs> some that got down in the bar ditch. Uh, the, the central verse to me is verse 15. Let's look at that first. He says, be diligent. Uh, that word diligent has the sense of being zealous. My old King James said, study to show thyself approved. <laughs> Uh, it would have meant to apply, they translate in the sense of be zealously uh, study the word. But be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker that does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I'll be honest with you, before this week, I, uh, we've, had it, we've had this verse in our D group, and we memorized this, some of you guys that have been with me. And uh, dividing the word of truth, rightly dividing the word of truth. And I, I don't remember talking about it in my groups, and I don't know that I knew exactly what it meant. But when I studied it this week, the, the word that is translated rightly divide means to cut a straight line. Cut a straight line. And so as I look at that early in the week, I begin just envisioning in my mind, what is the picture here? Well, 
When I did my study on that word, sometimes it was used in ancient literature. Other times this particular word is used to cut a straight line. It would refer to a, uh, a farmer who was plowing a row. Cut a straight row. But also was used, which is the picture for today, of a man who was cutting a road through some land. And he wanted to cut it straight. And so uh, the sense of rightly dividing is to cut a straight line with the word of truth. As you're building a road for the church and people to run on, make sure that you, Timothy, that you cut it straight. Um, that when you cut a straight line, you divide things left and right. And the reality is, is when you cut a straight line and you decide where that highway, that road's going to run, uh, there's some things that are off to the left and there's some things off to the right. They're extremes. Even the shoulder is a little bit extreme. But for sure beyond that. But do you understand? Now, when you decide to cut a line, there's some, when you cut that line, there's some things to the left, there's some things to the right. The central challenge that Paul gives to Timothy is stay straight, right in the middle. It's true. It's straight. Don't veer left or right. Cut a straight line with the word of truth. Um, I think the imagery is clear that Paul was saying, I've, I've begun to cut a road, and Timothy... My time is up. I need you to keep cutting the road. I need you to stay straight. And it was about Timothy's teaching ministry. And you need to continue that teaching ministry and keep the church on the right path. Be diligent about that. Now, verse 14, there's some people that um, are uh, getting on the edge of the road on the shoulder. I believe is what he talks about. So verse 14, he says, Remind them of these things, charging them before God not to strive about words to no profit to the ruin of the hearer, hearers. I believe he admonishes Timothy to teach them not to strive about words to no profit. To me, this is the tendency or the people that uh, get focused on the minute or the peripheral. This is not the core. This is really, here's the problem. The only way you end up in the bar ditch is first getting onto the shoulder of the road. Now, uh, and, and I think this is the group, he's, if, this is just the way Daryl Smith pictures it. This is the people that are on the shoulder of the road. Let me assure you, the shoulder of the road is not designed for you to drive on for a long period of time. The shoulder of, road, the shoulder of the road is there to give you a little margin if you drift to realize you're on the shoulder and then get back up on the road. You're not supposed to be running there, driving there, because I run there. You understand? If you see me out on the highway... I'm running on the shoulder. Let me assure you about some things about this shoulder. There's a bunch of junk that gets left over on the shoulder. There's bolts, there's screws, there's bungee cords. Years ago, I used to kind of collect things. You get to 58 years of age, you stop picking up things along the side of the road. I mean, let, let me, it has to be a solid quarter before I'm going to stop and bend down and pick it up. 
I don't even have any pockets. It's like, what, I'm going to have to carry this thing. I used to carry bungee. I was telling Amy, it's like, oh, there's a bungee cord. And I've actually got one across from Buddy Lowry's land that I really want to go back. It's a perfectly good bungee cord. It's laying there. I ran past it yesterday morning, but it's like, no, I'm a half a mile into my run. I'm not carrying that thing the rest of the way. The great thing about highways now, though, is, and a lot of highways, is they've created those little ruts, those little grooves. So if I'm running along and I hear, it's like, you know, George Parr always told me just, Pastor, if you see the car coming towards you and you can't just jump, he says, I think you'll be okay. You know, you only test that theory one time and, and are wrong. But, but the point being is the shoulders are not designed to be driven on. In fact, they give us indication you're on the shoulder, get back on the road. Uh, but he talks about people in verse 14 that just strive about words. They get off into the minute into the peripheral, uh, but it's not the core of the teaching. In fact, he says the effect of that, it says, into 14, to the ruin of the hearers. That word ruin is the word that we transliterate into catastrophe. It ends in catastrophe if you get and you think you can run on the shoulder of the road. Now, the second group is in verses 16, 17, and 18. And this is much more serious. These aren't people that are just focused on the peripheral. These are people that get completely off the road. And so he, he describes them in verse 16 and following. He says, but shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. And their message will spread like cancer. That word cancer, interestingly enough, is the word gangrene. Uh, when your message is wrong, it's like a cancer that grows and will eventually overtake you and kill you. Um, and he calls names in verse 17. He says, Hymenaeus and Philetus are of this sort. This Hymenaeus is a guy that he mentions in 1 Timothy, and he, he describes people who have rejected the truth and have suffered shipwreck in their faith. And he says, of whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I delivered to Satan that they may learn not to blaspheme. So this Hymenaeus is a, he's a piece of work. He's been in the bar ditch for a while. Um, but it says in verse 18, who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection has already passed. I don't even know what they were teaching. Probably a spiritualized sense of, oh, no, when you were saved and baptized, that is the fulfillment of the resurrection that God has promised, but that's, that's not true. And it says they have overthrown or toppled the faith of some. So these are people that are not just on the, in the bar ditch, uh, they're not just on the shoulder. They are in the bar ditch. The effect of that, of getting so far off from the truth, is that it becomes, that teaching becomes like a cancer. And the people that buy into that, their faith is overthrown. Paul's admonition to Timothy is make sure that the church stays on the road. 
I've told you these things. When people come up with things that seem a little bit off, the reason they seem a little bit off is they are off. And you ought to know, if somebody says the resurrection has already passed, that these people uh, have gone beyond the bar ditch, beyond the shoulder to the bar ditch. Focus on cutting a straight line. Focus on the essentials. Timothy, I've started a road. You continue it. The things that you have heard from me, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. He starts the whole section in verse 14. He says, remind them. You have to take them back time and time again because the tendency is to stray and get off the road. Uh, this morning I wanted to, that's, that's my scriptural part of my sermon. I'm not saying the rest of it's not scriptural. I'm just saying there are some things as your pastor that in the spirit of that, uh, that I want us to remind us of. There are some things that I shared with you nine months ago that I said, these are essential things that we have to focus on if our church is to get where God wants it to be. Um, we talked about starting in January and even before that, Vision 2020. Uh, in fact, the picture, and this is the imagery I wanted, is of a road that was going to a mountain. And... Um, ties into the sermon this morning of, of cutting a road and not getting off of that. Um, I believe that the greatest days for us as a church are still ahead if we stay focused on what is essential. And quite honestly, COVID-19 has been not just a curveball, not just, just a distraction, but it has been something that has the potential of getting us off the road that God has called us to. There's four things I want to conclude my sermon with that from your pastor's heart that I want to remind you of that are essential things if God is to take us to where he wants us to be. This is my heart. And the first one I've shared for nine months is that we must connect with people. We must connect with people. We have a God-given responsibility to those who are around us. If God sends somebody inside my circles of influence... As a person of the gospel, I have a responsibility, a spiritual responsibility to that person. If there is someone that I go to school with, that I work with, that I live by, I have to believe God has given me a spiritual responsibility uh, to connect them to Christ. I have a responsibility um, to connect them to the gospel. The most effective means of reaching people is relationally. 
And so I'm telling you, if we want to reach every person that's in our circles of influence, there is not a church program or event that we are going to have that is going to get that job done. The one thing that is essential, that we must do, and yes, let's do more than that. In our daily lives, we must be relationally connecting people to the gospel that God sends into our circles of influence. It must be a way of life. Church, we must focus. In fact, all the rest of them pale in comparison to that one thing. And I've said that starting nine months ago. The one thing that God has to do in our life is he must bring us to the place where daily we are connecting, relationally connecting people to the gospel that God sends into our circles of influence. We have to. Something must change in our lives. It has to. There's no way around it. I'm telling you, it's the center stripe of the road. No, that, that is at the very center of what God has to do in our life to take us to where we are. That's the most important but you know the preacher's got more. Number two, we must raise up leaders, especially younger leaders. We as a church must intentionally focus on raising up leaders, especially younger leaders. Our future depends upon it. We must. Um, there has to be an attention, intentionality. And it's something that if you're already in leadership in the church, it's something I've talked with you about. Um, we must. We must call out. We must equip. Inspire, however you want to pull it, uh, express it. We must raise up leaders, especially younger leaders. The future of our church depends upon it. Thirdly, we must develop givers. Um, we're in the process right now in our church of developing a budget for next year, 2021. Um, doesn't really matter what we develop unless the church body, the members of the church commit themselves to support that budget. Um, I'm committed to 10% of my gross income, the tithe. Uh, I believe the tithe is the standard, 10%. Um, you may be sitting there, and I, I said this nine months ago. You may say, well, there's no way. 
I say, well, start with 1%. Start with 3%, 5%, 6%, whatever it is. Start somewhere giving uh, in a proportional manner uh, on a regular basis. One of the things, and let me say this. I make this plea not because the church is in desperate straits today. We're not. Actually, part of the amazing testimony of God is we are doing as well as we were before COVID. But to get to where God wants us to be, we can't stay where we are in a number of areas, but giving would be one of those areas. We have to be faithful to give. Actually, one of the things as we track giving and I don't know what you give. I don't know what any individual gives. Um, the staff members do not know that. The deacons don't know that. The church treasurer doesn't know that. The counting ladies, the financial secretary know that. But we can, uh, we can track uh, givers by age. Here's one of the, actually the encouraging thing in the midst of COVID as we have moved more and more to online giving. And, and you know, in our church, you can give online. And we have, uh, I don't know, these are round numbers, but I would say maybe 20% of our gifts used to come from online. Maybe it's closer to 60% now. Byron may be shaking his head up there. I don't know. It's, it's like tripled. Uh, and, you know, the goofy thing is we don't pass the plate anymore, and we're a Baptist church. And we have little receptacle boxes. I don't know who I thought had receptacle boxes for offerings, and I don't want to name any names because we're, Live right now. I don't want to call any names. Um, but I'm thinking, I never dreamed that we would have little offering boxes out in the back. Well, we'd always pass the plate, but we're, we're not there. But, you know, so you can give online. You can give in those boxes. You can drop it off in the mailbox. You can mail it in. And, and y'all have been so faithful. But to get where we need to be, we can't stay where we are. And so we have to develop givers. I was about to say this. We have actually, this is my point I was about to make, and I saw a squirrel run by, uh, the offering boxes. Uh, we have seen an uptick in the younger generations, I mean younger than me, in the midst of COVID, and maybe it relates to online giving, and that means as more and more people are doing that. But actually, we've seen an uptick in the younger generations and their giving, but we have to continue to develop givers. The fourth thing is we have to maximize workers. Um, for us to get where God wants us to be, we have to have the full body of Christ working. Uh, everything we, we do is based upon a system of volunteers and you as members of the church, people a part of the body of Christ, volunteering your time and talents and energy uh, for what we do in expanding the gospel and the kingdom. Uh, this is inside the church. This is outside the church. Uh, we have to maximize our workers. If you're a part of the body of Christ, we need you thinking in your life, what am I doing to build up the body of Christ and the kingdom of God and expand the gospel. That could be inside the church. That could be outside the church. That could be as extreme as going with the preacher to Africa. 
but you know, we, the other thing we need to do, I know this is on Brother Dennis Mulkey's heart, there need to be places, other areas of ministry within the continental United States that we take the gospel. We have to have lay people that step forward and say, no, God has called me to that. So my question is, what has God called you to? And it may not be even within the four walls of this church because the kingdom of God is way beyond our church, but a lot of it is. And whether it's in children's ministry or youth ministry or if it's teaching life groups or serving in the food pantry or most excellent way or so many other things, we have to have a system. We have to maximize our workers because that becomes a limiting factor if people do not step forward and say, no, God has called me to this or I'm, I'm, I'm stepping in to be obedient to what God has called me to do and volunteer in this area. What is your place? Where do you serve? And until we maximize uh, our workforce, we will always be limited in what we do. Um, those are the things that your pastor has to share with you this morning that we have to focus on. We have to connect with people. We have to raise up leaders. We have to develop givers. We have to maximize workers. Um, I'm committed to staying focused so that God could do everything that God wants to do in our midst. Amen? Amen. And I hope that you will pray about what your part is there. Hey, this is what I want to do, and I know it's a few minutes after 12, but I'm, I'm almost finished. I'm going to lead in prayer. I'm going to have you stand. Can I ask um, that we not go to uh, yeah, let's I want, after I pray, let's don't go there. There's some, there's some announcements I want to make. I'll just be a few minutes, I promise you. Uh, but if y'all will hang with me for just a second after I say amen, and then we're going to be finished. And then you can go out and you can put your money in the offering little containers. We have little receptacles out in the foyer. Anyhow, I'm being sort of facetious. Uh, let me pray. Father, today, uh, we thank you that you're a God who does exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask or think. And uh, we pray that you would call us, Father, to focus on those things that are essential and not be distracted and not to get off that road, but to stay, to stay persistent and diligent so that you could do all that you uh, would want to do in our midst. And so we thank you for that. Uh, we just pray that you continue to provide for us, lead us, and guide us, uh, protect our church. Father, and we just uh, we trust all that to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, so just give me two minutes. It'll be three. Uh, if you have a decision to make for Christ, I'll be at the front. You can reach out to a staff member by text, email, however you want to. That information is provided to you. Hey, we're excited that uh, we will, uh, most, our Most Excellent Way crew will be sponsoring uh, an October 31st event, Praise in the Park. If you want to be involved in that, talk to Charity. It'll really be the whole church, but it's sponsored by Most Excellent Way. We are also taking uh, 
resumes for next generation pastor. And so let me say this, that if you know people that are in church life that live somewhere, would you get that information to them? Because we never know the connection that they may have that it may be God's man for our church. Would you be diligent about that? You can go to our webpage and there's a tab at the top that says next gen pastor. It has more information than you would want to know. All you have to do is direct somebody to that. Would you communicate that with the people that are in your circles that are beyond Huntington? Hey, next Sunday, we will have an open house breakfast and a time of dedication in our new community outreach center. That will start at 9 a.m. There will be something unhealthy for you to eat in that large open area. We're very excited about how God has uh, brought that about. Uh, next Sunday we'll get information out, but that's going to be kind of an open house. We'll have a time of dedication uh, for that. We're not completely finished with it, but there's a point that you've got to dedicate this thing. Um, uh, as I said, next Sunday we are hopeful to start warehouse worship in Children's Church during the sermon time. Amen. Uh, also, um, are Charity and Fran going to be out in the foyer? Yeah. Uh, we have two of our ladies that have been blessed to have uh, started the process with Habitat for Humanity. Cody Jackson's on that board. Have they kicked you off that board yet? Not yet. Um, but there's a special fundraiser. It's, it's a wow, incredible meal at Outback. And it, this is a fundraiser for humani uh, Habitat for Humanity. Two of our ladies are in the process. We still need land. They still need land. We're still looking for an avenue uh, for Habitat for Humanity to, to find the land in Huntington uh, for their two homes. So if you have connections with that, if you'll let us know. Also, finally, food pantry. This Thursday will be food pantry, and then the Monday after that will be produce day. If you can come and help, a great way to connect uh, with our community. So thank you for your patience this morning. You're dismissed. I'll be at the front if you'd like to visit with me this morning. Thank you.